Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. And best of all, the new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans already trust Patriot Power Generators. So go to 4, that's the number 4, patriots.com slash Ben to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. So right now, go to 4patriots.com slash Ben. That's the number 4, patriots.com slash Ben. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It is sad to say that there is only one U.S. senator right now that's standing between a massive infrastructure bill that has nothing to do with infrastructure. In fact, we now know that it's filled with pork barrel spending. And when I say pork barrel spending, I'm talking about a ton of it. More than 75% of the infrastructure bill we are now being told has nothing to do with infrastructure spending. And there's only one senator that's saying no to this anarchy, this massive spending bill that has nothing to do with actual infrastructure. That senator is going to join us, Bill Haggerty from Tennessee, in just a moment. But let me tell you about what we know now about the Republicans that have sold out. A total of 18 Senate Republicans now, 18 have decided to put the so-called infrastructure bill on a glide path to passing it. These 18 Republican senators voted on Sunday to clear the final hurdle before a four vote to advance the so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill. Now, there is something shocking about this bill that everybody listening needs to understand, and that is this. Uh, it, it is insane. This bill has not even been marked up yet in the House. What that means in translation is this bill will actually get more extreme. Did you hear me? It will get more extreme, not less. It will get more extreme. 
The Senate bill is already extreme. It will get more extreme when it goes to the House. Usually it's the other way around. But they've designed it this way on purpose because they figured they could just get it out of the Senate and throw it back over the House and they could add even more crap into this and then everybody would just be like, all right, fine, whatever, let's just move on. Like, let's get through this as quick as we possibly can. Let's move this on. And then we'll move on down the road and we'll all get what we want, right? We'll get the pork barrel spinning that we want. We'll get the pet projects that we want. We'll get everything that we want. That is the goal of this. That is exactly why these 18 Republicans have gone along. Now, the Senate voted 6829 to vote to invoke cloture on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. This they're calling it the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. It really has nothing to do with this. The vote means the Senate could take up the bill uh, possibly by Tuesday morning, afternoon, evening, meaning they could pass this mammoth 2,702-page, $1.2 trillion legislation in the dead of night. This bill is twice as long as the Bible and the King James Version. So grab your Bible, your King James Version, and double the size of it, and that's how big this bill is. You think anybody's read this thing yet? No. Nevertheless, 18 scumbag Senate Republicans voted to advance the bill on Sunday, clearing the significant hurdle of passage of the bill through the Senate. The 18 Republicans that did this, and I'm going to give you each and every one of their names because many of you listening will recognize them and you're going to want to call them. Roy Blunt, Missouri. Richard Burr, North Carolina. Bill Cassidy, Louisiana. Shelley Moore. Republican West Virginia, Susan Collins, Republican Maine, Kevin Kramer, Republican North Dakota, John Hoven, Republican North Dakota. Here's one that will shock many of you. Mitch McConnell voted in favor of this, Republican Kentucky. Lisa Murkowski, Republican from Arkansas. Rob Portman, Republican Ohio. Jim Reich, Republican Idaho. Mitt Romney, no surprise there, Republican Utah. Tom Tillis, Republican North Carolina. Deb Fisher, Republican. John Cornyn, Republican, Texas. Roger Wicker, shocking there, Republican, Mississippi. Dan Sullivan, Republican, Alaska. And Mike Crapo, that's my favorite senator ever, Republican, Idaho. Wicker, by the way, the Republican from Mississippi, this is just shows you how fast people can sell out. He previously voted against advancing the legislation. He voted in favor of invoking cloture Sunday. Quote, the bill we're now debating is far from perfect. If I were the only one with a pen, I would have made many changes. But at the end of the day, he said, I believe this package will do a great service to the United States of America and a great service to my home state of Mississippi. In other words, they paid him off. He got a bunch of crap in there that he thinks will help Mississippi. He said, screw it, let's go. Young, by the way, who also previously voted to advance the infrastructure bill, came out against the legislation Sunday. He is up for re-election in the 2020 midterm election. Young said in a statement Sunday, For the last several months, I've been working diligently with my colleagues towards a bipartisan infrastructure bill to provide crucial funding for our crumbling roads and bridges and to make targeted investments that yield positive long-term results in areas like broadband ports and airports. By the way, less than 25% of this bill has to do with infrastructure. So when he tells you that crap, don't listen to him. He went on to say, I've said many times, while I'm eager for a bill that makes these investments. I'm also committed to doing so in a fiscally responsible way. Well, this bill is not paid for in a fiscally responsible way. So he's also, again, breaking his own, quote, rule. Having reviewed the CBO's estimate and the fiscal impact of this legislation as currently constructed and frankly still not being comfortable with the number 
Of Democratic priorities contained in this version, I will vote no. Senators tried unsuccessfully to add amendments to the bill, but the Senate failed to agree on how to add amendments to that bill because they said, well, we don't want it. Senators Cynthia Loomis, Republican Wyoming, and Ron Wyden, Democrat Oregon, and Pat Toomey, Republican Pennsylvania, have proposed an amendment to the infrastructure bill that would address the $30 billion tax on the cryptocurrency industry. Lawmakers and industry officials contend the bill could send jobs overseas. Insert Senator Bill Haggerty, who will join us in a moment. He has tried to slow down the advancement of this bill to bring up amendments to the bill. But Senator Kristen Simona, a Democrat of Arizona, objected, claiming that Haggerty refused to agree to a timetable on the amendments. Then insert Senator Chuck Grassley. He tried to bring up his own amendment that would lessen the bill's fiscal impact. It failed. He said, quote, I offered two bipartisan amendments to Infrastructure Bill 1 that would have saved taxpayers $100 plus million of fraud via False Claims Act 2. We give states more flexibility of funds to strengthen rural broadband, both make bill better for Iowa. But Dems blocked by denying me unanimous consent request. Quote, we have wasted all day Thursday, Saturday, and now through Sunday, Grassley said. That's enough time to vote on a, a multitude of amendments, and we just sat around these three days accomplishing nothing. Well, it's not true, right? There, it's not true at all. You guys accomplished a hell of a lot. You got all the pork barrel spinning in there you could possibly ask for. And let's deal with Senator Roger Wicker. I know, full disclosure, Roger Wicker. I'm in shock by the pandering and the flip-flopping by Senator Roger Wicker in favor of backing this $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. And I think his calculated decision was pretty simple. He decided to announce his support for this so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill Sunday after voting against the bill because he got a bunch of money for things, port barrel projects, that he wanted for his state. He went on to say, I rise this afternoon to announce my support for this bipartisan infrastructure legislation. Coming to this decision has not been easy or straightforward. Wicker, the ranking member of the Transportation Committee, said on the Senate floor, don't worry, he got a bunch of stuff he wanted. He got a lot of stuff that he wanted. The Mississippi Republican said the bill is not, quote, perfect. Isn't that amazing how fast everybody says it's not perfect, but they vote for it anyway? He said he would vote for the bill because it was it would allegedly benefit the country and specifically Mississippi. He said, quote, the bill we're now debating is far from perfect. If I were the only one with that pen, you know, I would have done it differently. But, hey, I got to get it done. Mississippi Senator voted against advancing the legislation Saturday. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Then he got a bunch of crap in there he wanted, and he was like, all right, now let's go for it. He said, I will vote yes on this legislation. And that's when he joined 17 other Senate Republicans who now back this $1.2 trillion Trojan horse liberal bill that has nothing to do with infrastructure. Mike Lee had this to say about just how bad this bill actually is. He says it's not only an inflation bomb, but it's already uh, a bill that he believes is completely designed to destroy this country. Senator Mike Lee, Senator Lee, so great you could join us tonight. I mean, look, there's this story out there that some are putting out. There's the good bill and then there's the bad bill. I mean, it's all just one bill, isn't it? And Republicans should be against it. It's a terrible bill. And it, look, this is yet another inflation bomb dropped on an already carpet bombed economy. This is something that reinforces the false notion that the federal government is in charge of everything. Yes. That, and it's also based on a false notion that this is principally about infrastructure, which it isn't. And by the way, most infrastructure isn't federal and should never be in the first place. This is going to make everything more expensive for Americans. It causes inflation. Inflation hurts the poor and middle class more than anyone else. This bill is going to make a substantial effort at destroying the budding cryptocurrency industry. It's also going to wreak havoc on homeowners. As home buyers find these increased fees that they're putting in place, they're going to make everything more expensive in the real estate market they already can't afford. On top of all this, Steve, this is a massive intrusion into privacy as this creates a, a pilot project to monitor where you drive and how many miles you drive in a year. This is not what the federal government ought to be doing. And this is not bipartisan and chip in action. This is the uniparty forcing the will of Washington, D.C. This isn't just about Democrats versus Republicans. This is Washington, D.C. against the American people. And it's wrong. Exactly. And I'm so pleased you started with that point about centralization. It's something I feel so strongly about, too. This is this is totally antithetical to 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 not just the the letter, but the entire spirit, the idea of the Constitution, which is to decentralize power. This just centralizes so much um, in Washington, as you say. Now, in terms of the process, we're hearing that 
uh, Chuck Schumer is hoping to get 100 senators to vote for this, the, 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 the so-called bipartisan one tomorrow so that they can expedite the process and get onto the thing they really want, which is the Bernie bill. Are you going to be part of that? What can you do to stop or hold any of this up? Honestly, the best thing we could have done to stop the Bernie bill is to stop the uniparty bill, the one that the Senate's working on right now. Because we've, we've got a few people who have made clear that they're not either going to pass unless they both pass. And so we shouldn't be facilitating that. In the meantime, when this does come up, when the budget resolution comes up, uh, I and my fellow Republicans, I think we're going to be united on that one. I wish we were united against the bipartisan bill as well. Apparently we're not. We're going to fight like heck over this. Three and a half trillion dollars is what they want to spend. Many estimate that it'll be more like five. Yeah. That too is going to dilute the buying power of every dollar in the American economy. That hurts poor and middle class people. And you know, yeah, yeah, let me just say two things about what Mike Lee just said here. This bill, as he described it, which would accelerate the inflammatory trend underway in the U.S. economy of past, we would see massive inflation. He said this is another inflation bomb dropped on an already carpet-bombed economy. He also said this is something that, quote, reinforces the false notion that the federal government is in charge of everything. And it's also based on a false notion that that is principally about infrastructure, which it isn't. He said, and by the way, most infrastructure isn't federal and should never be in the first place. He's right. Look at what happened with the famous Memphis Bridge. That was fixed without an infrastructure bill. That was fixed by two different states. The point is very clear. It's not the federal government's objective. It's not the federal government's job to fix all of these problems. It's not. It never has been. But if you call it infrastructure, then how could you be against it, even though this has nothing to do with infrastructure? Right? I mean, this, this, this literally has nothing to do with infrastructure. Less than 25% of the spending goes to infrastructure. And infrastructure is not the job of the federal government. It never has been. Predominantly, it is of the state governments to decide, not the federal government. People should pay attention to that. But they're not, and they're not paying attention to it on purpose. And the reason why I think is very clear. Because this bill really has nothing to do with infrastructure spending, and they know it, and they're okay with it. This has nothing to do with actually fixing our roads and our bridges and Yada, yada, yada. What, what, great example is cryptocurrency. Okay, let's, let's deal with what he just mentioned there. Why does an infrastructure bill put a tax on cryptocurrency and push jobs overseas? I, I would love for someone to answer that for me. Would someone please answer that for me? Explain that to me. There are so many things in this bill that have nothing to do with infrastructure and of course, it doesn't have to do with infrastructure for one main reason. Because this is pork barrel spending at its finest. There's even programs in here that are going to monitor how many miles you drive and then you will be charged per mile that you drive. They're actually now looking into that. There are programs in here that would put a breathalyzer machine in cars private cars can you imagine every time you get in your car and of course they're going to say this is not invasion of your privacy this is you know to make you safer you got to blow into the machine just like everybody else to start your car and they're going to say oh it'll save lives 
Again, I want you to actually think about that. Think about what that means for your life. All of these things are designed with one thing in mind. They are designed to control every part of your life. Not infrastructure. This is about government control. And I also think the amount of money they're spending right now is is very clearly deliberate. If you get a government into so much debt that you have no choice but to raise taxes and you can push taxes being raised on the, quote, evil rich people, right? That's something you can do. It's pretty amazing. We should all be excited about that, shouldn't we? That's what the Democrats are doing now. This is all being done in advance of massive increases in taxes. Because at some point you have to pay for this. Now with hyperinflation, does that give the government more or less power? It gives them more. Because more people are going to be desperate for the government to step in on all sorts of issues. For example, the housing markets, rent, government aid, unemployment benefits, all of the things that Democrats desperately need to contain, contain and grow their power over Americans. That's part of what this is about. It's about government control. And the more money that you spend, right, the more money that they put us into debt, the more power they have over us because they get to decide how and when and where to raise our taxes. And when you raise our taxes and you do it in a significant way, right, when you raise our taxes, what happens when you raise those taxes? What goes down when you raise taxes? It's very simple, folks. They own you. And they've already said they want to take from the rich and they want to give to the poor, and that's their objective. They've already said that's what they want to do. They've already said that's their, their total goal. That's their accomplishment. At the end of the day, you put us into such a financial bad situation, such a terrible situation that then it's just game on. We have no choice but to raise the taxes on, quote, the rich, which is going to be anybody making over 70 grand a year. They'll have more people that will be on government aid because they will have suffocated the economy, which means, again, they win. This is really about winning. If you really get down to it, this is just about total government anarchy, total government control, and no other way to explain it than we spend all your money and now we got to pay it off and now we get to dictate you what we can and can't do, what you can and can't do. All right, joining me now, U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty, the only man standing in the way of this bill becoming a reality. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You were the only Republican to, to, to halt or try to halt Schumer's fast track of this massive infrastructure spending bill, which has less than 25% of the spending even goes to infrastructure. Yeah, I, Ben, it's been pretty lonely up here. You know, I was told this morning I needed to get a food taster and step up my security detail inside the Capitol. <laughs> I understand that the hottest selling item here in Washington right now, at least among lobbyists, is a dartboard with my picture on it. But um, it's and, and congratulations, that, I, that means you're actually doing your job, right? I mean, if that's what's happening, yeah. good job. Uh, it's it's yeah. shocking to see what is in this bill. You know a little bit more about it than others. Run us through some of the things that have nothing to do with infrastructure. There was even something in there provision for breathalyzers and cars, for goodness sakes. You know. Ben, this is uh, something that has been billed and advertised as, as, as hard infrastructure all along. It was billed as being paid for, and then we find out that it indeed is not paid for, and it's got a lot of stuff that are really more or less a down payment on the Green New Deal. Um, the, the, the items that you mentioned, they're, they're, they're more that get into you know research on, on, on alternate energy. You know, we're going to put electronic vehicle charging stations in place. We're going to sell off the strategic petroleum reserve. It's interesting. Biden does that after he jacks up the price of oil on you know, everyday Americans. Then he turns around and profits from it to pay off this bill. But what really concerns me, and I think this is where I really want to point our conversation, is they're trying to rush this through. And, you know, they, they tried to rush it through last Thursday night. They dropped a 2,700-page bill on our desk just six days prior. To put it into perspective, the King James Bible that's sitting here on my desk is 1,300 pages. That's more than twice the, the size of the King James Bible. And then they, they hold back the scoring, meaning the so-called cost and, and, and pay for of it, until the very day that they want to try to accelerate its package. And guess what? It turns up not just a little short, but a quarter of a trillion dollars in the hole. And then the goal was to pass it in the dark of night so they could move straight on to this $3.5 trillion, quote, 
soft infrastructure bill. Well, I can tell you, I wasn't going to let them light the fuse in that $3.5 trillion socialist debt bomb. I stopped this that night. I was not going to allow them to accelerate it. We're still debating it. And you know what's happening? People are hearing from their voters. We've actually had members of the so-called bipartisan committee that negotiate this. They're saying now they're not going to vote for it. If I think about some of the vulnerable members in the House who are in swing districts, those Democrats that won in 2020 in swing districts, uh, I'm sure they're getting a lot of pressure. I'm hearing that they're, that they're, that they're having a, a great deal of pressure right now. I hope there'll be a revolt over there, and I hope that as long as I can keep this open, and look, there's a limit to what I can do here, but as long as I can keep this open and keep having conversations like we're having right now, Ben, the greater the chances are that we can move this in a different direction, a better direction for America. Well, let's talk about how long you can hold up by yourself. Have there been any other Republicans that have come to you and said, hey, man, let me help you out with this? Or, hey, I'm, I'm seeing what you're doing with your leadership here. Let me let me get in on this as well. Or are you still just sitting there on an island by yourself? And how long until that island gets flooded? Well, in, in the Senate, I'm, I'm the uh, lone person that's holding this up. But I've had support from from loads of people on the outside. Uh, President Trump put out a statement yesterday uh, talking about this. But look, he, he's a businessman like I am, Ben. You know, I've been a business person all my life. I'm not against infrastructure. I, I grew up, I shoveled asphalt working my way through college. My father and my grandfather were in the road construction business. President Trump was in the you know real estate development business. We understand infrastructure, hard infrastructure that generates a real return on investment. But when you put together a package like this that has some infrastructure in it, but so much more that's not, if you run up another quarter of a trillion dollars of debt, and that's probably generous given some of the other math I've seen on this, and you use this really as a threshold or a gateway to get to the $3.5 trillion, and I'll explain that in just a minute, that really does uh, you know, go well beyond uh, anything that a business person would think would be a good deal for America, would be a good deal for taxpayers. Certainly not something that I thought Tennessee would want me to be supportive of. And if you let me sort of break this down a little bit further, here's what I believe the Democrat strategy is. And, and, and it's, not, it's not something that I'm using a, a crystal ball with. Nancy Pelosi has stated it. We just need to listen to what the Democrats are saying. Pelosi has said, and I'll use her words, there ain't going to be an infrastructure bill unless she gets her $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Reconciliation is a code word for a 50-person completely partisan vote that Kamala Harris comes in and throws the tie on. That's what they did back in March with the $1.9 trillion, quote, COVID relief package that 90% of it had nothing to do with the, with the pandemic. That's the same policy that they're going to use again, the same procedure they're going to use again when they can get to it on this $3.5 trillion socialist debt bomb. They're going to bring Kamala Harris in, and they're going to pass it on completely partisan lines. What's going to happen is Nancy Pelosi is going to get this infrastructure, this so-called bipartisan infrastructure package in hand, and then she's going to use that as leverage on the senators in the, in this, on the more moderate Democrat senators to force them to support this $3.5 trillion fiasco if they ever want to see their $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill see the light of day. That's going to be the strategy. Biden revealed that within two hours of, of getting to a handshake with this group of bipartisan uh, negotiators – Within two hours, he said, well, of course, I'm not going to, to pass this bipartisan bill unless I have this wholly partisan reconciliation $3.5 trillion wish list uh, on my desk at the same time and pass them together. Chuck Schumer said it's a two-track process. The first track is what we're on right now. Of course, I, I'm doing everything I can to, to, to keep that from accelerating. But the second track will be 
this $3.5 trillion, again, what I call a socialist debt bomb, that's going to push our nation toward far more government dependency. It's going to make America look like Western Europe, and it's going to be devastating for our children and grandchildren. So what is in it for these other Republicans that have decided, these 18, to say, okay, let's act like Democrats for a day? Is it just straight-up port barrel spending for them and their in their pet projects or their state? I, I still don't understand the political play here. Uh, for some of these guys, I don't get it at all. And usually I understand exactly what they're trying to do. Well, Ben, each senator's got to, to make their own decision. Um, they'll come to their their own conclusions. As I said, one of them last night uh, who was involved in the in the drafting of this, who was a part of that bipartisan team, made the decision that he couldn't support it once he saw and, and analyzed the CBO score. I'm hopeful that more will move over. I'll tell you what I've heard. We need to prove that we can get something accomplished on a bipartisan basis. That's one of the, the arguments here. Well, getting something bad accomplished for America doesn't really, doesn't really uh, satisfy that for me. Uh, another is that we need hard infrastructure. I've never argued that. As I said, it's in my DNA. But we need hard infrastructure that has a real return on investment for taxpayers. And I've seen deals move like this before, Ben. You get so wedded to the idea of the deal itself, yet you look back and the other side is, continues to drop more and more bad things in it. It's clear to me that the Democrats drafted this bill because it's chock full of things that, that aren't infrastructure. And when you get to the actual calculation of how it's paid for, whether you agree with how the CBO does it or not, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, is the umpire that Congress has selected to determine how these things are going to be scored. And they're the ones that are designated to call balls and strikes. No one senator can sit there and say, well, I'm going to do my own math and here's how it scores out. I'm hearing a lot of that right now. Uh, saying the CBO is wrong, that this really does pay for itself. Well, how do you get a quarter of a trillion dollar miss? I, you know, it's not even close. So, you know, uh, you talk I about infrastructure, you, you talk about in- infrastructure center. And, and there's one question that I have to ask because I haven't been able to get a, a straight answer in an infrastructure bill. You can't imagine that there wouldn't be direct money going to deal with the problem that we saw on the Memphis Bridge, right? It was a it was catastrophic what could have happened. It was also catastrophic in many ways to just commerce, traffic, uh, shipping, uh, the, the river uh, being shut down for several days. The list goes on and on. In this infrastructure bill, was there anything in there for, for specifically major corridor bridges like the DeSoto Bridge? Well, there, there's $110 billion in there for, for highways and bridges. Again, more work to be done as it's drafted out. But I got a very snide comment from one of my Democrat colleagues last night. How about that bridge in Memphis? Well, you know what, Ben? We fixed it. It's reopened again, and we did it without this bill. Uh, Tennessee and Arkansas, TDOT and ARCDOT, uh, you know, made this happen. I want to see, you know, an investment, a, a rational investment in our infrastructure. I think everybody in Tennessee supports that. Across the nation, people support that. But people don't want to see that held hostage for something that's going to be absolutely devastating for our children and grandchildren. And that's what I mean by this. Not, not only is, is the initial infrastructure bill chocked with a lot of stuff that's not infrastructure and runs a quarter of a trillion dollars into the hole, but this, again, opens the door to Pelosi's entire negotiating strategy to slam this $3.5 trillion you know, so-called soft infrastructure package, which I would call a sh- the biggest step towards socialism we've seen since the 1960s Great Society package. Um, we're going to spend $3.5 trillion, lay another 20% of GDP on the backs of our children and grandchildren in a time when we've already got inflation running rampant. This makes no sense at all, and that's what I think people need to be focused on right now. Last question, what do people need to do if they want to help you in this fight? 
I think they need to reach out to, to not only their senators, but to their congressmen as well, because this is going to wind up back over in the Congress. And my hope is, particularly those Democrats that are in swing districts, are going to get a lot of pressure. They're going to hear the same things I hear from, from Tennesseans and realize that this is not going to be good for, for the nation and it's not going to be good for them uh, if, if they support and vote for this. Uh, we've got to stop, stop it. As I said, I think we've got people moving the right direction here in the Senate. Will I get there by the time the clock runs out of me? I don't know here in the Senate, but I'm going to keep talking about it, keep pushing it. The conversation that you and I are having right now with your listeners, I think, helps this. The more sunshine that this gets, uh, the, the more taxpayers realize what's happening. I think the harder it's going to be for senators and representatives to pass something like this. And I certainly stopped it from being passed in the dead of night last Thursday. So this is all good. Uh, we're, we're moving in the right direction, and let's pray that we were able to stop it in the end. Senator Haggerty, I appreciate your time. Keep us posted, and we'll certainly have you back again real soon. Thanks so much, Ben. Great to be with you. Th- I hope every one of you will share this, uh, our podcast, with your family and friends. Uh, you got this info out there. You can get it and share it with your friends. Subscribe to our podcast. It is free. I'll say it again. Our podcast is free. You can subscribe for free. Please share it with your family and friends. I'll see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.